Welcome back to Far From Perfect, everyone. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today we are talking about the top three things that you need to be prioritizing in perimenopause. So even if this topic is not important to you right now, please share it with a friend or a loved one who might need this message. Also, I took a short hiatus from the podcast. I've missed it so much. So thank you for being patient with me. I hope you had an amazing summer. I do want to do a follow-up on my last episode where we talked about how to set yourself up for success in the summer because I want to check in. I want to check in and see how you all did. So welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. And please let me know if you have any follow-up questions on this topic. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. So I took I took a little break over the summer and it was not necessarily intentional, but as I talk to you guys, like as I remind you that we have to prioritize, I had to let something go this summer and it was the podcast, but I am very excited to be back. And today I'm going to be talking to you about the top three things that you should be prioritizing in perimenopause. And I really do hate to drop the word should on you, um, but these top three priorities, they might surprise you. I think they're going to give a lot of you some peace of mind. And it's also going to give you a little direction on how to best manage your time. Because also, like with me stepping back from the podcast for a couple months, we can't always be doing it all. And that is okay. But what do we do when we know we need to be doing something, but we can't do it all? That's what I'm going to help you understand today. And this is honestly inspired by um, one of my Instagram friends. Uh, and if you are following me on Instagram, you may have already heard me talk about this, but I just, I, I, I just can't believe the impact that this one question that someone asked me, I can't believe the impact that it had. So before I talk more about it, let me tell you the whole scenario with what happened. I can't remember what I posted about. I made a reel and she responded with, okay, the only time I have to work out is 5 a.m., but I am exhausted. What should I do? And I said, sleep, hands down. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't have to go back and forth with, well, how many hours sleep did you get? Well, no. If you are exhausted and you can only work out in the morning, I'm going to tell you to prioritize sleep every single time if you are in perimenopause. Why? Because Stress management is our, really, it's got to be our number one priority while we're in perimenopause because we're already in a state of chronic stress. Chronic stress is the stress that we don't get a break from. And we don't get a break from it because of these fluctuations in our hormones, which are not just like our regular fluctuations as a menstruating woman. These are not even a fluctuation from Monday to Tuesday. This is within the day, hour to hour, shits up, shits down. Like if you're in perimenopause, you understand the theory that it can be, and you absolutely don't feel like yourself. And these things can mess with your mood. They can mess with your sleep. They're messing with your quality of life. So the best thing we can do to manage that chronic stress, because we can handle it. 
Like we're so resilient. We can handle this chronic stress. We're built for it. It's part of life. But the best way we can manage it is by making sure we are getting enough quality sleep. Now, sleep is like fat loss. We cannot control when we lose it, where it comes from, or how fast it goes. Kind of like sleep. We can't control if we fall asleep, when we fall asleep, how much sleep we get. I mean, we can control things to a certain extent, but not really. What we do have control over, which is just like fat loss, is our behaviors. So with that sleep, leading up to sleep, do I have a nighttime routine? Or do I go from 100 miles an hour and then expect to go upstairs, go to bed, turn out the lights? And like, if I close my eyes, this has happened to me. I'm going to give myself a little shout out. I stopped the habit of TikTok before bed. I, I, TikTok is a, a black hole for me, right? I can't go there. It's an infinity pool of information. Can't stop scrolling. So I just cut it off. I can't moderate it. So I cut it off. I don't do it. But if I were to look at TikTok before bedtime, I close my eyes and what do I see? TikTok. It might be TikToks I make up in my head. It might be somebody else's TikTok. It's like when I was a kid and I would play Tetris. And you know, you guys, I, I loved Tetris and I would get hooked to it. And I close my eyes and I would see Tetris playing. And I play Tetris in my head, moving the shapes around. Same thing. You can't go from playing Tetris to going right to bed. You can't go from TikTok to falling asleep. So you got to give yourself time to wind down, turn off the devices, stop the caffeine earlier in the day. I, I'm assuming this is stuff you guys all know about. I, I could do a separate podcast on it. Make your room nice and cool. Try and remove clutter from your bedroom. Do a brain dump at night. I actually did a carousel on Instagram the other day with some cognitive behavioral therapy things that you can do to get a good night's sleep. I'm not going to go into that today because I want to go into our top three priorities, but it's the behaviors leading up to sleep that we're most concerned with. Also alcohol. Alcohol really messes with your sleep. I do not want to be a buzzkill. I do want to go get a margarita with you. I promise I do. But that margarita, if it turns into two, there's a really good chance that you might fall asleep, right? Because alcohol does make it must fall asleep, but then we're going to wake up in the middle of the night, hot, it's hot. And then like me, my eyes are wide open. It sucks. And it's just like, it's usually not worth it. So the alcohol is something we really have to watch. And then also like, is your mind racing before you go to bed? In which case, can we do a brain dump? If you're worried about all the things you have to do, this is what happens to me. Like I I'll, like, I'll, have, I'll have a great work day. And I'm like, I've got things under control. I go to bed, I lay my head and I'm like, oh my God, I have so much to do. And then I kind of ruminate on it and it makes it hard to fall asleep. So that's when a brain dump is really great to do before you go to bed. All of this to say, your number one priority is sleep. And I understand that the morning might be the only time you have to work out, but let's get you feeling more energy before we add in training sessions. So if this is you, and according to the response I got on Instagram, it's so many of you. It's so many of you. Please do not force that workout. We could get away with that in our 20s and in our 30s. Now we can't, and it's going to backfire. So that chronic stress creates um, elevated levels of cortisol. Cortisol receptors, increased cortisol receptors, increases holding on to fat. 
we don't want that, right? We're trying not to. That's why all of a sudden we kind of feel more fat around our midsection. It's not in your head. It's not in your head. I understand. And it did. It came out of nowhere, right? One day you're fine. The next day, bam. Why do I have these love handles? What the heck is going on? So in order to get away from that, we don't want to be spiking our cortisol levels up even more. This is why I'm so adamant about you guys eating something before you train. We don't want to be in this state of breakdown. So if you go into the gym and you're already stressed and tired, it's not going to be a workout where it's productive. It's going to be a waste of your time. You're going to be more tired. You're going to have more stress on your system. More stress on your symptoms does not equal building muscle. It's going to hinder your recovery. No recovery equals no muscle building. And that's the whole reason you are there. So if you're not getting anything out of the workout, what is the point? We can work on another time to work out, but our, our number one priority again is managing your stress. The best way to do that is to get your sleep. And it's not just for perimenopause. Like sleep has an impact on every single area of your life. Because if you are tired, if you are not well rested, if you are not recovering, Yes, it impacts your workout, but guess what else? It impacts your mood. It impacts your decision-making. Good luck hitting your macros if you're dead tired and you just don't care anymore, right? It impacts, so with your mood then, that's gonna impact your relationships. Good luck being happy to see anyone in your family when you're exhausted. W what about at work? Your performance is gonna go down. I'm sorry, I do not want a CPA who is not getting sleep. I do not want a doctor who is not getting sleep. I do not want a surgeon. I do not want something, someone doing my hair that's not getting sleep, right? So if you have a job where other people rely on you and you are not getting sleep, are you really doing a good job? Something to think about. Sleep impacts every area of your life. In fact, I'm going to do a podcast about that because that's really good. I'm writing myself, myself a note. So that's our number one priority. I've been ranting a little bit, but that's how important it is. Because if we can get you feeling better, then guess what? If you have more energy, then maybe you could do a nighttime workout. Nighttime workouts are not bad. I understand a lot of you guys, like after you leave work, you've got to pick up the kids and take them to a sport. And then maybe you have to hang out at the sport. And by the time you get home, it's nine o'clock. So an evening workout is also not an option, but that's okay. <laughs> We'll worry about where we work the workouts in eventually. Sleep is your number one priority. And maybe we just work out on Saturday, Sunday. Maybe you do a short lunch workout. I don't know. But that is not even in the top three priorities. Spoiler alert. Now, number two, your second priority after sleep is nutrition. Because nutrition is the biggest needle mover, right? Even if you have fat loss goals, you're like, but Kylie, I, I, I know I need to manage my stress, but I also, I really need to lose weight. Let's say you are 50 pounds overweight and for health reasons, you need to lose weight. You don't have to work out for that. Nutrition, nutrition is what going, is what will get you there. The nutrition will start helping you feel better. The nutrition is going to reduce the inflammation. So when I say nutrition, what does that look like? It's all the things that you hear me talk about. If you've done the programs, it's our five habits. Eating protein at each meal. Protein is so important. It's not just about building muscle. It's about balancing blood sugar levels. 
So if you're tired all the time and then you eat, you know, you have a, a latte and a muffin for breakfast, you have energy right after that, but then your blood sugar spikes and then it falls, excuse me, because you don't have any protein to help stabilize. So that's what the protein is going to do. It's going to help stabilize your blood sugar levels, which, which will then stabilize your energy levels throughout the day. Have that protein early and often, and you can still improve body composition. I wish I knew the study because I would cite it, but I don't. All I know is this. If I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. They had two groups. One, or maybe it was three. One group didn't eat hardly any protein. The other group ate protein. The other group ate protein and lifted weights. Even if people did not lift weights, but ate the protein, they did see an increase in their muscle mass. So maybe you cannot get those workouts in, which I'm telling you, it's more than okay. Make sure you are eating your protein because we can at least preserve the muscle that we have and then maybe even build a little bit, like just by eating more protein. Like how fascinating is that? Then the vegetables. So many reasons to eat vegetables, mainly because of the fiber, the micronutrients, but those are also a source of carbohydrates. You want, and for gut health, the wider variety of fruit and vegetables, the better. But all of these whole foods, you can eat some processed foods. Absolutely. You guys know me. I'm not going to take anything away from you. But eating a mostly whole foods diet is going to make you feel so much better. And if you have fat loss goals, remember fat loss, you maybe you could be in a deficit, even though you're so stressed. But if you cut back on the processed foods and you started eating less or drinking less, you, you would you would see weight start to fall off of your body. So we're eating protein at each meal. We're having lots of fruit and vegetables. We're having carbohydrates sometimes. If you're not working out, we don't really need to worry about putting them around our workouts, but you still need carbohydrates. Even if you're not working out, our brain needs carbohydrates and then healthy fats. We need healthy fats for healthy hormone function, right? Hormones are chemical messengers. And if we want the messages to get to where they need to go, we want to have those healthy fats. Where do healthy fats come from? Anything that's not processed, right? Avocados, almonds, nuts, seeds, egg yolks. Um, yeah, egg yolks, fattier cuts of meat, salmon, steak, hamburger. That's what you want. So your nutrition is going to help you feel better and look better. We have clients all the time go through our program and they implement the stress management and the nutrition. And the third thing I'll talk about, and they get results not because they add in the workouts. Then the third priority, oh, and also back to the nutrition, right? No matter how busy you are and how stressed you are, you have control over the way that you eat. So this is something that can move the needle, the direction you want it to go, that doesn't require any additional time. You're gonna be eating anyway. If you're stopping at Chick-fil-A Chick and Chipotle all the time, that's not great. That stuff has a place. Can you grab it once a week on the way to baseball practice? Absolutely, you can. But we don't want to rely on it for every lunch, every dinner, several times a week. So you can control the way in which you eat. We want to eat slowly and mindfully. And you may not be able to not multitask at every meal. I always tell everyone, pick one meal. Maybe it's dinner. Maybe it's lunch. Maybe it's breakfast. You don't have to go whole hog with all of this all the time. But just pick one meal where you don't have any distractions. That's going to be better than constantly doing emails while you eat, watching TV while you eat. And believe me, this is another area that I need to work on. 
Um, but I know it would serve me well. So then the third top priority so far, we've got sleep, mucho importante. Then we've got nutrition. Also so important. It will make you feel better and it will help you look better. Third is your daily movement. So if you've ever seen my graph on total daily expenditure, so that's how many calories you burn throughout the day. And then it's broken down into the various ways in which we burn calories. The smallest amount of calories burned throughout the day comes from your intentional workouts. Dramatic pause, <laughs> right? You burn the smallest amount of calories in the day from your daily or however times workouts. It's a sad state of affairs. This is why if you are just exercising to burn calories, you are sorely missing the point. The majority of the calories you burn throughout the day come from just your basal metabolic rate, the calories it takes to keep you alive. So even if you were to lay on the couch all day long and watch Law & Order SVU with me all day, maybe you went up, to get, went up to go to the bathroom, that's the majority of calories. And for most of us, it's like, take your weight and multiply it by 10. Yeah, that's your basal metabolic rate ballpark. So that's how many calories it takes to keep you alive. Then on top of that, we have the thermic effect of food. What's that? That's the energy we utilize while digesting our food. So this is why I tell you, the more you eat, the more you burn, because it takes energy to break that down, especially it takes even more energy to break down protein. So, I mean, it just kills me when I have a woman my age or older tell me that she's going vegetarian. Like, please do not do that. You need protein. You're going to slow your metabolism down if you don't have that protein in there. I understand that we want to, you know, eat healthy and we want to, I don't know what people are trying to avoid when they go vegetarian, but it's a big part of your metabolism. So the more you eat, the more you burn. So when you slash calories, that's what you're really doing. You're slashing your metabolism. So the two biggest um, components of your total daily energy expenditure, your total daily calorie burn are your basal metabolic rate, the amount of energy it takes to just keep the lights on, your heart beating, your eyes blinking, stuff digesting. Then the food that you eat. Then non-exercise activity. And this is not even intentional steps because non-exercise activity is stuff that's non-intentional. Me waving my hands around, blinking, toe tapping, um, you know, moving from point A to point B. Fidgeting, non-exercise activity accounts for more of your calorie burn than a workout. So even though I'm, I'm going to say focus on your daily movement and your steps, steps are actually part of intentional movement, but oftentimes it's lumped into non-exercise activity because it's not actual, like people don't think of it as their exercise. But with this daily movement, move your body, park farther away take walking breaks, take bathroom breaks, take breaks to get up from your desk and go get water, walk around the office, talk to people, don't call people, take your calls while on a walk, start your day with a five minute walk, go on a five minute walk at lunch, do a walk after work. You don't have to have 30 whole minutes set aside, right? Do it in five, 10 minute chunks, whatever you have the time for. If you did these three things, you would feel better. And those of you that do actually need to lose weight, you would also lose weight. 
Because weight loss comes down to nutrition, how much you're eating. If you can adjust the nutrition, you're going to be fine. But oftentimes in perimenopause, we need to take like physique goals off the table and just focus on feeling better. You're also going to feel better. But I guarantee you, if, if, if you implement these three things and you do have weight loss, fat loss goals, you're going to see some progress there. So again, the smallest part of your, your energy utilization, your calorie burn throughout the day comes from your workouts. So please don't stress. Please do not stress over that 5 a.m. workout that you have no business doing. Let's start to feel better. Let's start getting that energy. Let's focus on that sleep routine, getting better quality sleep. And then when you are feeling better, then we can explore when is it time to add the workouts in. I mean, I did a great post the other day about the number one thing you need to be doing in perimenopause, and it is strength training. Absolutely it is. But you have to look at your life as a whole. What's my current situation? What do I honestly have time for now? Please do not go do that workout because you're feeling guilted into it. Please do not do that workout when you are so tired, when you're just dragging. It, it reminds me of when I was in high school and I was a swimmer and we had morning practice. And I cannot remember if it was my junior year or my senior year. I'm talking 4.30 in the morning, right? So practice started at like 5.15, if I recall. And I'm on the kitchen floor, just you know, sitting down, putting on my shoes and I'm in tears. I'm in tears because I'm so tired. I do not want to go to my, I do not want to go to practice. And, you know, mom's like, well, you got to go to practice. <laughs> but that's when I was, you know, I'm 16, 17 years old. I can pull it out for that. But if you're feeling like that, like if you are near tears because you have to go do that early morning workout, please do not do it. Again, we could get away with that in our 20s and 30s. But now is not the time to force the workouts. You can get a workout in on the weekend. You know, we recommend lifting three to four times a week, but if you get one lifting session in, it's better than none. If you get your steps, you work on your nutrition and you start getting better sleep, that's better than getting just one workout in a week. Like th that's more important than that. Once you focus on these three things, you will start to feel better. And then we can explore, okay, when is it time for me to add in those workouts? But please do not feel the pressure to do that now. And the amount of women that responded with, oh my gosh, I needed to hear this so badly. I didn't realize, I didn't realize. And, you know, it, it might be because I'm not in that space right now. I worked out in the morning for half of my life, it feels, you know, because I was a swimmer. So it always meant early morning practices. And then, my own fitness, when I was working a full-time job, it was early morning workouts. And then when I started teaching classes, I was teaching sometimes five in the morning, 5.15, 6 a.m., 7 a.m. It's, it's not in the cards for me. As I like to say, my dues are paid. So I have the flexibility in my life to now work, in the work out in the afternoon. I know that not everyone has that flexibility. But my point is this, you paid your dues. You don't have to force it anymore. And to quote Emily and Amelia Nagoski from their book, Burnout, which I recommend everybody, women especially, everybody read this book. They say, put down the whip. Put down the whip. You mean you're a slave to yourself. You're a slave to your workout regimen. You're a slave to your workout schedule. You're a slave to your diet. 
You're a slave. You're a prisoner in your own life. And the thing about that is we have the power to put down that whip. I loved that analogy and I think of it often. A lot of us are where we are because we set a higher standard for ourselves and it's a wonderful thing. You are so amazing. You are such a hard worker. You push through it all. You've done a great job. But now we can let a different side of ourselves take the front seat, right? And in order to navigate perimenopause, it's gonna take a lot of self-compassion. Self-compassion to what our bodies look like, self-compassion to to sleep over that workout. But that's what it's gonna take. Remember, this transition is temporary. We gotta get through this. For some of us, it's gonna last up to 10 years. So we have to find a way, how can I make this as comfortable as possible? And it's with these three things, focus on your sleep because stress management is most important and getting enough sleep is the easiest way to manage your stress. Number two, your nutrition. Dial in your nutrition. I know that's super vague. Whatever that means to you, we got to clean up our nutrition. Focus on that because it's the biggest needle mover when it comes to body composition changes. And then three, daily movements, not your workouts. Just move your body. Get up from your desk. I know a lot of women right now, you're in the height of your career. You're you're, You're in meetings all day long. You're commuting 30 minutes, whatever to work. Then you're taking kids wherever. 3,000 steps a day is very normal. If you could take that from three to five, five to eight, your your life would be different. Your body would be different. It's these small things that are going to make you feel immensely better. So I hope you found this helpful. Put down the whip. These top three things will serve you in the long run. And right now, in the short term, you're going to feel better. And if you have any questions on this, please let me know. It's so good to be back to the podcast. Um, yeah, let me know if you got guests you want to have on. I just read an amazing book. Everyone should read. I'm going to see if I can get her on the podcast. The book is called Mother Hunger. And the book, I mean, it's extremely eye-opening. My friend Kristen recommended it to me and apparently a friend recommended it to her. And I'm just pulling up the title right now for those of you who are not watching on YouTube. Um, The the author of the book is Kelly McDaniel and she's a therapist, Mother Hunger. And if I can get on the podcast, we're going to talk about it because it is so good. You guys have an awesome, whatever, whatever time it is, have a great day. And I'll talk to you very soon. Bye-bye.